Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. To tell you, um, maybe not the first, but at least one of the first, to tell you Happy Thanksgiving. Um, it is officially the holiday season. I know some of you have already started to prep. Um, if you're anything like my wife, you have gone to HEB over the last week or so, and you've said, this place is nuts. Um, everybody within, like, I don't know, the surrounding 150 miles that goes to our HEB is what it feels like. That actually might be true. I'm not sure. But um, it's crazy, right? It's nuts. You walk into that place and, like, everybody is—it reminds me of Black Friday, like used to be. You know what I mean? Like the way Black Friday used to be where people used to punch each other in the mouth for, in the mouth for a Tickle Me Elmo. You know what I mean? Like it just—before Amazon happened, that's how it went down, right? Um, some of you know what I'm talking about. Other ones are like— Everybody buys their stuff on Amazon now, Josh. Um, which, yes, that is true. Um, but if you go to the HEB, if you didn't get a turkey like last week or maybe even before that, like, good luck. It ain't happening, right? Like, you should have stuck that bad boy in the, in the deep freeze, right? Because it's just, and by the way, if you did that, go ahead and take it out now because it's got to thaw before Thursday, um, right? So, um, I say all of that because... Um, Let's be honest about the holidays. Um, some of it seems really good, um, but there's this dichotomy that takes place, right? This separation um, of realities of what's happening on the radio, on the speaker, versus what's actually happening within the store, right? Usually around this time of year, people start playing Christmas music, and you hear, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and then like people are battling like going to blows over a turkey breast, right? Like stuff is getting real in aisle three. And so in that place, there is like this difference in like, this is supposed to be the most, like the holidays is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. But yet, my life is nuts. I don't know if you're anything like me, but um, I start, I guess about, uh, I don't know, Halloween, uh, Halloween until, like, second week in January, like, good luck getting on my schedule. Like, we've got every weekend booked, right? Like, there's something to do, and there's, for each one of us, we've got different reasons why we do that. There's some kind of underlying expectation that we have. Um, for some of us, it's FOMO. Um, for some of you, you just thought that I cussed at you. I did not. Um, but FOMO, if you don't know what that is, um, that is fear of missing out, right? Fear of missing out. And that's actually in the dictionary now. It's become so much a part of our lives that it's everywhere, right? Like, I've got to do all the things, right? How, how many people were, like, going to, like, I don't know, it feels like there's 15 different Christmas parties I got to go to, right? Like, one for my job, and one for this thing, and my CG, and da 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 and it's all these things, right? And I got to have a gift for each one of them, which adds just that much more to my schedule. And then we get to this place that our to-do list for the holidays is all of a sudden like 17 miles long, and like, how am I supposed to accomplish all these things, much less go to everything? Like, how do I do it all? How can I 
do it all. And even beyond that, why do I do it all? Like, like what in me is making me think I got to do all these things? Because if we're honest with ourselves, we know that doing doesn't do what we want. All the doing in our lives doesn't do what we want it to on the inside of us. We think that by doing another thing, being a part of something else, and this is, it's a microcosm in Christmas, right? It's actually what's true about our whole lives, that we do things in order to think that it's going to fulfill us in some way. That's why we do things. We do all these things, and then we get to this place that we get to the end of the doing things, and then we're no more full than we were at the beginning. We get to the end of our to-do list as if there was an end to the to-do list. Let's be honest, it just keeps growing. But yet, I don't feel more full. I don't feel any sense of fulfillment in that deeper part of my soul, which is actually what I'm like trying to accomplish here. Because if we're honest, the reason why, if your family was like my family growing up, the reason why we clean when everybody comes over to our house is because we don't want people to see all the junk that's usually laying all over the floor. Because there's something in our subconscious that we don't want people to see our dirty laundry, physically or metaphorically. That there is something that's happening within us that we can't be vulnerable in that place that somebody might know that something's actually wrong on the inside of us. And our dirty laundry, like literally, I, I, I had a waterbed growing up, so I couldn't throw everything underneath the bed. I had to throw it in the closet. Um, so don't go into the closets of my room when I was a little kid because that's where everything was, right? And it was like piled up above my head. It was just like you just throw it to the top of the pile, um, which when you're four is not really that high. But still, like that's how we are as we think, okay, well, if I can just put this out of place, out of mind, like I can work and have this bright, shiny-looking picture of what life is supposed to look like. And who gets to decide what it's supposed to look like? If we're honest, it's us. We're the ones who decide what it's supposed to look like. And we get to this place that we need to ask a really important question. Why are we doing the things that we're doing? And it could be FOMO. I would say it's all from expectations. Either expectations that we grew up with, or expectations that we put on ourselves, or the people around us, or our society as a whole. But there are expectations that we have, and that we do these things because of the expectations that either we have of ourselves or other people have of us, right? We have all these expectations that are there, and we perform because we have this desire to fulfill us. And I I just don't think that it gets us to this place where we actually are fulfilled. Because let's be honest, nothing we do will ever be enough. Nothing you do will ever be enough. It'll never be enough to fulfill you. It'll never be enough to bring you to that satisfaction. No matter how many Christmas parties you go to, no matter how good the turkey is, 
no matter how many things you're in charge of. No matter what position you get at your job. No matter how good your life looks to everybody else. Not even if your kids behave well. You could think you have it all together. And it's not going to be enough. How do I know that? Well, observation, um, typically. So there's two main things, and I I bring these up a lot because it stuck out to me a lot. Um, Jim Carrey, the actor um, slash comedian, said, I wish everybody could get rich and famous and have everything they ever wanted so they could realize it's not enough. Also, Tom Brady. Um, Tom Brady is maybe the saddest example that I can bring up. Um, Tom Brady did an interview with 60 Minutes um, in the early 2000s. And uh, this was after three Super Bowl rings, and he had just gotten married to Giselle. Um, And 60 Minutes asked him, what does it feel like to be on top of the world? Like, Like, what does it feel like to be in that place where you have everything that the world says that you could want? And he says in that moment, God, is this it? Is this all there is? God, there's got to be something more, right? And he says that really quickly, but notice he does somehow bring God into that. He says in that place, there's got to be something more than some Super Bowl rings. And sadly, now six Super Bowl rings and a divorce from Giselle. And he still is playing football because it's not enough. No matter how much you win, no matter how much you do, it's just not enough. And I think when we seek this, (laughs) um, we think, and I Maybe if I do enough, I I might be worth something. There might be something special about me. People might see me differently. Maybe, Maybe I could get some acceptance from some people. Maybe, maybe I can be important if people will see me as important because I do all these things. So we're going to look at a passage of scripture today. It's in Luke 10. Um, and um, it's this vision of this lady. Um, it's actually her and her sister. And um, it's about how she does all the things. So we're going to look in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. That's where we'll be at today. And it's the story of Martha and Mary. Um, We're going to look at it in a little bit of a different way, but um, maybe you've been around church for a while, and maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you showed up for the first time, and you're like, Josh, I've never opened the Bible. So um, if that's you, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You'll hear this for the first time, and I think it's got something important to tell us. For those of you who have already checked out because you're like, I've heard Mary and Martha like 75 times, right? Like, don't check out just now. Maybe there's something that God wants to say to you too, okay? So... um, in this place, um, what's happening is Jesus is traveling all over. He's going all, all these different places, and Luke is um, telling like little short stories about what Jesus has done in all these different places. And it gets to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, while they were traveling, this is Jesus and his disciples, he, meaning Jesus, entered a village, 
and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. So this place of welcoming Jesus into your home is actually in another place in, um, in the Gospels. This was actually the sign of a faithful person. Jesus actually said, if somebody welcomes you in their home, bless them. But then in another spot, it says, if they don't, brush your feet off, which is basically the curse against them, right? So it's either there's a blessing of welcoming Jesus or a uh, faithlessness of not welcoming him in. So Martha in this place is a faithful person because she has shown hospitality to Jesus. So showing hospitality is a good thing. We should do that. We should, if somebody's coming over to your house for Thanksgiving, that whole do thing that we talked about before, don't hear me say don't make a turkey for them. That don't make no sense. People showing up at your house for Thanksgiving make a turkey, right? Like, you, like, it's good to show hospitality for people. That's why we have coffee and donuts out in the lobby right now, right? That's why we do some of the things that we do around here. We want to show hospitality to people. That's a good thing. And Martha is doing what she feels like is the most hospitable thing to do, which is to welcome Jesus into her home, right? So Martha is a faithful person here. But I think we need to ask the question, what does it mean to be hospitable to someone? What does it mean to serve someone well? And we need to start thinking and framing our minds around the things that we do and why we do them. And then maybe take a, a page from what Jesus says here. So this is what it says in the verse after. It says in verse 39, she, meaning Martha, had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Um, so this is that place of me and my mama, right? Whenever I was growing up, um, I don't know if your mama was this way, but if people was coming over to your house, like it was like, get out the vacuum cleaner we never use, right? And it was like, you got to clean up and do all the things before people come over, right? Like what we talked about before, you got to clean up before everybody gets there. And that's kind of where Martha goes. She goes into that like rhythm of like, hey, I got to do all the things. Like I got a million things to do across this house because this important guy, all probably she knows at this point, is this important guy, Jesus, is walking around. I just welcomed him to my, my home. And imagine the president showing up at your house, right? Like if somebody important shows up at your place, you're like, man, I got a lot to do before he gets here, right? Or if he just showed up, like knocked on your front door and said, I like, I, hey, I want to come in and have, I want to have dinner here. Your initial response probably would be like, dude, I got laundry to do before you come into my house. Or like, we haven't had the Roomba go off in a while in this place. So like, we got to do some work first, right? And so in this place, Mary and Martha are kind of set against each other right? There's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. There's Martha who is, uh, who is distracted by her many tasks. But let's, let's take a step back here and look at our world, okay? Let's take a step back and look at our world and put Mary and Martha into our world, okay? If we just ignored the fact that it said distracted there, right, which has this negative connotation, Martha 
is diligent. She's doing a lot of stuff. Mary looks real lazy. Martha, proactive. Mary, passive. If you're a business owner, which one are you hiring right now? My money's on Martha. Literally, if I'm a business owner. Right? That's what's true. She gets a lot done. Mary? Nah. I don't want her working for me. But in this upside-down kingdom that we live in as a part of the kingdom of God, something's different. It's different than the way that we normally operate. It's different than the way that the world operates. It's different than how we normally react. And I want you to notice here in this place what it says about Martha. Martha was distracted by her many tasks. By her many tasks. She's gotten to this place that she is so focused on what she needs to do, what she thinks is going to happen. It's all about Martha. It's all about my to-do list, which has become 17 miles long, and I need to accomplish one after the next, after the next, after the next, so that somebody can know that I'm actually important and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, because there's some expectations that are out there in the world that I need to do this, whether those are for me or for somebody else. And I've got to this place that now I have these expectations and I have this to-do list that is a million miles long, and I've got lots to do. And notice what happens when that happens is my view has not looked up, has not looked out. It has looked down and in. I'm so focused on me and what I'm doing that I've missed Jesus. I have missed anybody else around me. And when the focus is on what I need to get done, the focus is on me. When I focus so much on my to-do list, I become extremely selfish. And while I think that's true of the holiday season, I think that that's a marker of who we are as people within a prosperous nation. That we are people who get so busy that we become so self-focused because I've got all these things that I need to accomplish and I've missed that Jesus is over there talking and I get a chance to sit at his feet. And I think (laughs) when we get to this place, um, life is full We've got busy schedules, and honestly, we've got empty hearts. Full schedules and empty hearts. We get to this place that we're so busy, man, that I miss sitting at the feet of Jesus. That I don't get just time to be with him. And then Martha does something in this place. Um... 
I think we all do whenever we become self-focused. This is what she says. Says, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Realize what she has done here. This is called projecting, ladies and gentlemen. What has she done? She's taken all this self-focus. She's stressed out, right, as a lot of us can become. And she started blaming people for it. This is Jesus' fault and it's Mary's fault. Not my fault because I was doing too much stuff. It's Jesus' fault and Mary's fault. Realize what you just did in this place. God, who did not give you this to-do list to do, you have now blamed him for your to-do list. And in this place, we project our feelings when we self-focus. We project on our kids, on our coworkers who are supposed to be introducing to Jesus. We're projecting on all the people around us and even projecting on God what we think is actually happening in this situation and why. Because I got things I need to accomplish because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Supposed to be doing. Right? We project our feelings when we self-focus. When I'm not looking at him, when I'm not seeing what God wants me to do, when I'm, not, when I'm not realizing that God has something bigger than all the things that I'm trying to do in my life. And then she does something real crazy. <laughs> this is at the end of verse 40. So tell her to give me a hand. Um, <laughs> um, realize what she just did in this place because it gets seem um, real I mean you could gloss over it real fast right um, tell her to give me a hand who's she talking to Jesus who is Jesus I don't know God who created everything you just told, told the Lord of the universe what to do good idea Martha Great, that's going to work out really well for you, right? And like, while that's true, and she did say that, and we could hark on Martha a lot, right? We could be like, ooh, yeah, harp, I think is the word I was trying to use there. Harp on Martha a lot. Um, I got to be honest. That's what my prayers sound like a lot. If you're anything like me, that is what I tell God all the time. God, I got an agenda and I want you to accomplish it for me. God, I, uh, I got these things I need you to do for me because my agenda is what's important because what I want is important. And man... I think we get to this place and we get mad because God doesn't go along with our plans. Some of us even start to project on God that he doesn't care about us. Some of us look at the people around us and they're, they're tools to be used for our own agenda. Sometimes our kids, we get mad at them because they didn't do what we told them to. 
Now, I'm not saying don't discipline your kids. Don't hear me say that, please. Please do discipline your kids. But also on the flip side, I think we need to question why exactly are we so bought into what we want to do? And how can we change that? Luckily, um, Jesus is very gracious, both to Martha and to us. I think in this place, we've got to check our commands. Check our commands. What does it mean to check your command? I mean, let it be a trigger to you, right? It'll be a light switch that goes off in your mind. That if I'm commanding someone else to do something, then I think that I know what's going on here. Now, in order to do that, you've got to slow down long enough to realize you're doing it. Okay? You've got to evaluate what's happening in your life. You've got to realize that you're actually commanding something and not just move on to the next thing in your to-do list. You've got to take time to slow down. And that is not easy to do, especially in a season like this. But that's part of the reason why I'm telling you right now. Because if you ever needed a time to do it, right now is the time. Martin Luther said, I got so much to do today, I need to pray an extra hour. Right? Like, it's this place of, I need to slow down long enough to actually see and evaluate what's going on on the inside of me. And not only that, I need to look at Jesus and what he's telling me most importantly. And this is what Jesus says to Martha. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken from her. See, we relieve the need to do by being at the feet of Jesus. This sense of doing the next thing, of accomplishing, of, of getting to this place that we, we have this desire to want to be accepted or loved or, or um, fulfilled in some way. We think that by doing all the things, it will accomplish it. But in reality, being at the feet of Jesus is what fulfills us. The thing that Mary was doing was the thing to do. It's the only thing that will bring the fulfillment that you're seeking. It's the only thing that's actually going to give you purpose in your life. And all of a sudden, you'd be amazed at how quick that to-do list shrinks. How life gets a little less crazy when you sit at the feet of Jesus and realize that not everything I'm doing is all that important. So, um, I want to tell y'all about, um, in order to kind of let this sink in, I'm on, I want to tell you about the, probably the best Thanksgiving I've ever been a part of. Um, so, I moved to uh, Virginia um, when I was 29 to pursue, pursue ministry full-time. 
I have a degree in finance and economics, and I was in um, business before this. So I'm trying to figure out um, how do you get into full-time ministry without having a ministry degree. Um, I got answers for that now, but I didn't back then. So um, (laughs) weirdly, the answer is uh, you're not going to get paid anything, and you're going to move far away from your family. That's what it was for me. Um, So uh, that's what I did as I moved to Virginia. Um, And I moved to Virginia in late June. Um, and then 4th of July came around, and um, nobody told me that um, doing stuff for Jesus was going to be as lonely as it can be. Um, in that place of sitting on a couch on the 4th of July, when I see all my friends back home and see my family back home hanging out, um, oh, man, there's just a sense of loneliness. It sunk in. Sense of like, man, did I make the right decision? Like, ah, it just doesn't feel good. Um, And then come around to Thanksgiving, and uh, we're having a staff meeting at the church I was working at, and I'm sitting at a table. I'm the only guy at the table, um, at a table full of uh, ladies who were either my mom's age or older, and um, and just like they're just being so sweet to me. You know those ladies who are just like, they, they're just kind, you know? Like this, this table was full of it, and I'm just like receiving it, you know? Um, and like we had, we're having like a Thanksgiving dinner for a staff meeting, and uh, one of the ladies just like trying to be just sweet and ask a question. Everybody's talking about what they're doing for Thanksgiving. And they say, well, Josh, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And um, <laughs> in that moment, I realized... Um, that I was probably going to be sitting on that same couch that I was on on the 4th of July by myself. Um, I was probably going to be alone for Thanksgiving. And I knew my family was going to be together, and I knew the families across the world were going to be together on that, or at least across the United States were going to be together on that day. And um, I, I broke down crying at that table, um, just because I, I'm, I'm a guy, but I don't care if you know that I cry, I'll just be honest, um, I cry a lot, probably one of the more sensitive guys you've ever met, whether you realize that or not, um, I cry quite a bit, but in that place of these women just being so loving, I was like, I feel unloved, I feel lonely, and, uh, One of the ladies, she didn't say anything at that moment, but she came up to me after we were done, after I'd, like, calmed down a little bit and stopped crying. Um, She said, hey, um, my son, who I knew, had, she's like, my son, one's in New York and the other one's in Oklahoma. Um, My husband and I, we're having Thanksgiving by ourselves. Would you want to come have Thanksgiving with us? Um, (laughs) Again, started crying. Um, And I said, yes, I would. Um, she also happened to be um, my wife's mentor, and uh, she helped me propose to my wife. This all came from this conversation. Um, and uh, so I went over to her house. Turns out I wasn't the only one that came. Uh, there was also a college student and her college student's, this college student's brother um, who came and had Thanksgiving in her house. And I, I got to be honest, guys, I don't remember what we ate. I'm sure it was Thanksgiving stuff, right? Um, 
I remember we had apple cider, but that's all, uh, that's all I remember eating at all. Um, but I do remember the way that Leslie and Bill made me feel. I do remember the hospitality that they showed in that place. I do remember being the guy who felt completely lonely and unlovable in that place. And then this lady stepping out to say, you're invited and loved. And also, and probably more importantly, stepping into that place, not only did I feel like they loved me, but they sat us down after dinner and they said, okay, like, what's Jesus doing in your life? Like, where are you seeing him? What was crazy is the brother of the college student had left church a long time ago. And he had gotten hurt by a church. But he walked out of the door going, you know, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. I, don't, I definitely don't like the church. But if Jesus is anything like Bill and Leslie, then I'm down. And I remember being in that place and going, I don't know what their plans were before I showed up. But what I do know is that I felt like I had just ate with Jesus. And I know that you cannot get to that place without spending a lot of time at the feet of Jesus. I know that if Leslie was doing her entire to-do list, then she doesn't see me on the other side of the table. She doesn't notice me struggling with the loneliness that was going on in my life at that time. And she doesn't take the time to invite a lonely kid to Thanksgiving. She doesn't take in that place that I thought was inconvenience, but it's actually what I really needed in that moment. If she is not following Jesus, she doesn't take the time to slow down and notice me. And to notice what God wants her to do. I I mean, I I don't know. I would have missed it. I would have missed being in that place of like, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I walked away from that dinner going, you know, I I don't know necessarily what it looks like to have hospitality for Jesus. But whatever she just did, I want to be like that when I grow up. Somebody who sits at the feet of Jesus long enough to see the things that she sees, to invite where she needs to invite. Would we be people that would be like that? It's it's interesting. In order to do that, I think you have to do two things. Um, you've got to evaluate your to-do list and base, base it on your motives, right? Like, why am I doing these things? Why am I so busy with this long to-do list? But first, guys, you've got to sit at the feet of Jesus and see what exactly it is that he wants you to do and set your agenda based on what he's calling you to, and he will tell you as you read through Scripture. He will tell you as you spend time alone with him. 
it's crazy. You'll start to see people around you who are hurting, who need to be with Jesus too. Would you pray with me? God, I'm so grateful for this truth. That God, we can sit at that that is the that one place that we are supposed to be. God, we get so distracted by the many things that we're going through in life. We're so distracted by our long to-do list or distracted by the, the craziness of our world right now. God, with, with all the things, some of us are, have already started thinking about, like, what does Thursday look like? And, like, do I need to actually take my Thanksgiving turkey, turkey out of the freezer? Yes, you do. Um, but, God, in this place, I pray that we would not be focused on our long to-do list of all the things and all the people and all the, all the craziness of our world, but we would be focused on you. That we would sit at your feet and that you would change our hearts. And God, that we might see someone who needs you too. That we might see that there are people in our world who are lonely, who are hurting, who need Jesus. God, and that we would be people who would point others to you, that by being around us, because we've spent so much time with you sitting at your feet, that we would start to introduce them to you just by being by them being around us. God, I pray that we would do that. That we would sit at your feet and see those that need to sit there too. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.